Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Monday afternoon, everyone. Kip Harris here with the Daily Bear Investing Podcast. Hope you had a good day today. Hope you had a great weekend as well. We were down on the uh, Texas coast at uh, a place called uh, Port Aransas, which is the fishing capital of Texas for a family reunion on my wife's side, Cindy's side, and uh, just a great family. Their family is so tight. I got so lucky married into this family. The next month, Cindy and I will have been married 35 years. Never had a fight. <laughs> Never had a fight. She loves it when I say that. <laughs> uh, but uh, we just uh, had a blast and uh, got back in late yesterday. And uh, actually, I um, was ready to rock and roll this morning. Uh, had oral surgery last week, which was fairly intensive. Thank you, Tyler, for covering for me. And I still got about 75 stitches in my mouth, but they did a great job. And uh, so far, so good. So, you know, if you hear any spitting into the microphone or lisping or anything like you'll understand where that's coming from. But I'm feeling good, feeling great. Hope you all are as well. We've got a lot of important – I want you to – this is, I think, an important podcast, okay? The easy money – we said this in July. <clears throat> the easy money had been made for the first six months of the year. The easy money had been made headed into the end of July, so first seven months. And we told you at the time, markets were extremely overbought. Uh, we had taken some profits. Not a lot, but we took some profits in semiconductors and housing. We had phenomenal gains there. We used leverage ETF, so that amplifies the gains, of course. And that's why you've got to get the direction right. And that's why we have our VR investing system. If you get the, if you can get the direction right, there is absolutely no reason why a, a smart money investor should not use a leveraged product. Not for everybody. That's our approach. That's how we do it. And it gives us these outsized gains that have allowed us to beat the market 16 or 19 years. And we told you then that not only were the markets at extreme overbought on steroids, on our VR investing system, that's when bad things happen, as we started telling you the last week of July. But the seasonality also told us that August and September are not good months for the market. They're just not. Um, and so one thing that's really held up well this year has been the analytics. They've been rock solid. That's not always the case. It's usually hit or miss to keep people off guard, okay? Because the market likes to do one thing more than anything else. That's make as fools of the biggest percentage of people possible. That's what Mr. Market's primary job is. And that's why being a contrarian is so important. And if you're not a contrarian, not everybody has that bone in their body. I was taught this by my mentors. I think I was, I don't come from money. I, I was kind of a street kid, you know, so kind of had to be a contrarian to get by. Uh, and uh, but if you if you're not a contrarian, you certainly can develop the tools, learn the people to follow, uh, and, and and also you know learn what to look for yourself, right? Because the more majority is just always wrong. The majority is. It, I'm going to make one political comment here, okay? And that'll be it. That'll be it for today. But we are going to start having this dialogue a little more often. I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but we do have a presidential election coming up. Wayne Root and I are going to do a debate in the next three weeks-ish. And we're going to discuss and debate Trump versus DeSantis. I endorsed DeSantis six months ago. I did it very publicly. Uh, Of course, after saying that Trump would win in early 2016, writing a book about it, predicting he'd win, endorsing him and all that when it wasn't popular to do so, took a lot of heat for it. Uh, we lost a lot of various uh, members and clients over that. Uh, but, you know, uh, look, I, I think uh, 
I think that, you know, those of us that have a voice like this, I think that's the one thing that matters most. If you feel strongly about something, you got to speak up, right? Uh, uh, regardless of what the consequences are. And so Wayne and I are going to do a debate. And we're going to talk about this. I think it'll be a, a lot of fun. Uh, he'll blow me away, of course, because he's Wayne Root and he debates every day on air for three or four hours, okay? But um, I made this shift because of the virus and because of the pandemic and the handling of it and Operation Warp Speed and the jabs. And, and so, you know, and, 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 and then there are other reasons. But I, I say all this because we're talking about being a contrarian. And this is the only comment I'll make politically speaking today. These polls that show Trump up by 50 points. But more so, it's the overconfidence, the braggadocio, the cockiness, the arrogance that coming from the Trump campaign and supporters. Folks, these are classic signs of a contrarian play at hand. Classic signs. This is the equivalent of Everybody on CBC and Bloomberg and all Wall Street Journal, Barron, this is the equivalent of all of them putting – this is a big bull market on the cover with everybody saying they're bullish. The uh, Fear and Greed Index hitting 95, right? AAI, as Investor Sentiment Survey, having 30% more bulls and bears. This is that equivalent. Now, doesn't mean it's going to play out. Trump may win by 50, okay? I'm just making an observation that this is a classic, classic contrarian-looking play to me. And we still have six months before the first primary. Six months is a lifetime in, in politics. So uh, having said all that, this is an important podcast today because the easy money to be made through the third week of July, as we told you then, seasonality. By the way, student loan payments start being made next month. I don't think this seasonality uh, uh, issues, the, the volatility, I don't think it's over yet. And that's why we've waited to take any aggressive new action. You know, what we're doing here, we have our positions in place. There's no way we're going to sell them because this is a new bull market. Okay. It's a new bull market that's going so much higher. We're in the first inning of this innovation revolution we've been talking about here, the five megatrends that we wrote about in the big bribe. This is, this is that bull market. Now, for anybody new here, what the hell do you know, Kit? Well, 1995 to 2000, all right, I was managing, you know, uh, 100, $150 million. That, that was a lot of money at the time. You know, now it's nothing. Um, I took two companies public during the 1995 to 2000 dot com melt up. It's funny. People today hear you talk about dot com. And they go, oh, man, that was horrible, wasn't it? That was just awful. I'm like, what are you talking about? People don't remember that it was a five-year melt-up bull market, and it really was. They just know, remember the, the, they just remember the meltdown, the dot-com implosion. The same thing, by the way, I'm hearing feedback from people when we talk about this being the roaring 20s. Okay? We had the roaring right um, 1920s, and this is the roaring 2020s. People are actually saying to me, but look how it ended. But Kip, look how it ended. Of course, they're referencing the 1929 crash and the Great Depression that followed. Well, if we're following the same roadmap, that means we have six years before we get to that. All right. So 
uh, again, we try to offer some perspective here. I've only done this 37 years. I think that does count for something. I happen to have pretty decent instincts, and we get the big calls right. So this is what I want to make clear today. When this seasonality ends, I kind of think we're going to have a capitulation event. I kind of think we're going to have one. I, I, I'm 50-50 on that, which is kind of a high percentage because of the bull market we're in. Again, we're not trying to get too cute because we don't want to be on the, the sidelines when these next legs kick in. But when we take aggressive action again, I'm going to walk you through it today because I, we're seeing – I wrote this up today. We're seeing all the inflection points now, actually. They're, they're, they're developing now that point to the next turn higher. And you're going to want to be very long when this market does bottom. And you're going to want to be aggressively long. And we'll show you exactly how to do it. I'll walk you through the inflection points and then we'll talk about that. I want to talk about the economy a little bit. Um, it's a big week. Uh, we have uh, Jackson Hole. Of course, Friday is a Jackson Hole uh, Wyoming thing with uh, 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 Jay Powell. You know, people are talking about being uh, – it was a hawkish uh, speech. What was it, 10, 15 minutes? It was hawkish. I listened to it. I watched it. There was very little new in there. Now, he might have come across as, you know, being a little more determined. But if you do a uh, – like the the, the, the word uh, – uh, what do you call it? The word uh, – uh, the, the diagram, you know what I'm talking about. And I saw someone break this down on Bloomberg today. It was actually dovish, which is what I thought. Okay, because the, the Federal Reserve knows what's coming. And I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to you about that today. Because in addition to uh, the economic data we get this week, uh, personal con- consumption uh, index comes out on Thursday. It's clo- PCE. It's closely watched by the Fed. And, of course, on Friday, we get this August jobs report. If you can believe it, August is already over, going to September. So we'll get that on Friday. Uh, estimates are for 170,000 jobs being created during the month. That's down from 187 in July, uh, with the unemployment rate seeing staying unchanged at 3.5%. Uh, these numbers have changed a little bit today. Tyler was just walking me through this, but there's an 80% chance that the Fed will keep the Fed funds rate at 5.5% at next month's meeting, okay? Which means they will, because that's the one thing the Fed does when it comes to rate hikes. They telegraph this. So there won't be a hike next month. The November meeting is uh, at about uh, 50%. I think that's good. It went down today for a quarter point hike, which would probably be the last according to their schedule. I don't believe there will be another rate hike. I think another rate hike will be a massive mistake. And again, we're used to massive mistakes from this Fed and Jay Powell, the worst Fed chair in my lifetime. That's not even, that's not even debatable. Okay, it's not. Let me get a quick drink of water here. Ed Hyman, my favorite economist, a lot of you know him, talk about him here for years, best in the business, been in the business on 50 years at Evercore, came out with a shocker on Friday. Hyman and his team of economists, I think he's got about 10 economists under him at Evercore, expect a significant economic slowdown and potential recession next year. In Hyman's other writing, he's pretty much calling a recession uh, because the leading economic indicators he follows and, of course, the lag effects of the Fed's rate hikes and the demand destruction taking place underneath the surface, he thinks we're going to have one. And, of course, the inverted yield curves, uh, they're, they're pretty reliable. 
But he put in writing that if what plays out is what he expects, the Fed will cut, should cut, will cut rates six times next year. Six times. I haven't even gone that far, that far. I think the Fed will be cutting rates. They should be cutting rates now. I know it flies in the face of what other people say, but I think in retrospect, we'll see how clear this is. Both the Chinese and European economies are in the toilet. Demand destruction underneath the surface is, is taking place. The debt, the, the, the stuff that, that Hyman follows, okay? Uh, the balance sheet has gone from plus 19% year over year to minus 8%. M2 money supply has gone from plus 14% year over year to minus 4%. Mortgage rates, we know what they've done. Up uh, 430 basis points in the year. Uh, now, now, sorry, and credit card rates are up 600 basis points. Uh, nominal consumer spending has gone from plus 15% to plus 5%. And as, as Hyman makes such a great case for, monetary policy works with long lags. But when they start to work, they really kick in. Uh, and again, they're looking for six cuts next year. That, and but from looking at the charts, there are significant inflection points that are taking place right now. Um, because you can't have the Chinese and European economy sneezing without the U.S. catching a cold. Something has to give. I expect that will be a reversion to the mean with rates collapsing next year as the economy slows and its disinflation continues to build. And here are the inflection points that we see. Number one, charts back this up fully. The 10-year yield, uh, which peaked at 4.36%, is now 4.21%. Uh, looks to have a – it is. It's a double top. Now, we could break to a new high, but the 10-year has got a double top now, and it sold off hard exactly from that double top. In addition, on our Bureau Investing System, it's uh, uh, last week, as we called it, uh, the 10-year yield hit an extreme overbought on steroids. Again, that's when bad things happen. In this case, that's when yields begin to fall, and they have. The other is the U.S. These all work together. The U.S. dollar. U.S. dollar is is, is slightly above its 200-day moving average, uh, but it, this is a counter-trim rally because the U.S., you know, it's been well below the 200-day now for the entirety of 2023. That's now resistance. That's dark resistance. And we believe, and I think a lot of us back this up, U.S. dollar is a long-term bear market. I don't know, it may sound bad to you, but it's certainly not bad for the economy. It's great for multinationals. It'll be good for small caps. It'll be great for stocks in general. And it'll really be bullish for precious metals, miners, energy, okay, with, with a weaker dollar. That's another inflection point. And then, again, last week, our major indexes hit extreme oversold. Uh, a couple were right there at extreme oversold steroids, our most oversold designation. But again, we were looking for a rally because of that oversold level, and that's what we've gotten so far, including today. Uh, and I also featured this this morning. If you look at a chart of gold, uh, this is a long-term chart. What a beautiful, beautiful cup and handle formation. This is a uh, – I'm not an expert at cup and handles, but I know what to look for. And this is a near-perfect-looking cup and handle formation. It's a highly bullish technical setup. And with these inflection points of a lower dollar and lower rates, well, you talk about a great setup for pressure mills and miners yeah, because it is. So we'll see how that plays out. But when this low is in place, the next leg is going to start higher. And this is where the money is made, right? 
This is when it's time to be locked in and to have your shopping list ready, folks. All right. Let's talk to the markets. I'll come back to a few other things here. The Dallas Fed today with their comments were really interesting. Uh, Texas, okay. Texas, Dallas Fed had some things to say that are pretty shocking about the economy. Um, today, uh, Dow Jones today finishing up uh, 213 points. Good day today of six cents to one percent. As you have 100 premiums right there at five tenths to one percent. No, also up six cents to one percent. NASDAQ up eight tenths to one percent or up 114 points. Small caps up seven tenths to one percent. Um, Dallas Fed today um, came out, and I won't bore you with all the details. I'll kind of give you uh, the, the Cliff's Notes version. Dallas Fed came out today and had about 10 different comments about economic weakness in the state of Texas. And of course, that's Dallas Fed, so it's, I don't think, I don't even know if that covers all of Texas, frankly, but it's, it's regional. And Everything from manufacturing to transportation to shipping to production of goods. They had and, – and the bankers quoted there were like, something just stopped. This is like we've gone from okay to horrible. Like these are the kind of words they use. I'm, I'm going to write this up for tomorrow's VRA uh, a letter um, because I, that, that, that's all new. That's all new. Uh and the Dallas Fed is pretty good. They've been very reliable. This is the term. This is interesting. So, again, that's another inflection point. So we'll get the employment data on Friday. That'll be important, of course, uh, because as Tyler and I just talked about, and we talked about this some last week or the week before, all it's going to take, folks, is one. We get one negative economic report, and this entire ballgame changes. All of these economists that have now said, oh, no, we're not going to have a recession. Remember, they all said it last year. We told you there wasn't going to be one. Or we didn't think there'd be one. We thought later, okay? But certainly not not, you know, not, not from the October lows. We've been very, very bullish on the economy and the markets. And, of course, all the economists were bearish and saying we're going to – now they're saying, no, we're good till you know, uh, foreseeable future next year maybe, right? Whatever. Things look good. All it's going to take is one economic report, like this jobs report on Friday. I'm not calling it because these month-to-month reports are – I don't play that game. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a guessing game. It, it's just a guessing game. And the, the, these reports are so manipulated anyway that you have to look at trends, do trend analysis, pattern recognition, and it takes more than one month to do it. But in this case, all it's going to take is one big, important economic report for the entirety of this market to change. For bonds to rally hard, yields to implode, precious metals and miners to soar, right? And the market, tech stocks in particular, to really soar. This is where you'll want to be positioned for the biggest moves. A lot of people have said, all right, so you think bonds are really going to rally and bonds are a great buy. Lock in your bonds if you can. Lock in now because rates are going to plummet. How should we play that? Well, you don't want to play bonds. That's not where the, the juice is. You want to be in derivatives of bonds. You want to be in tech stocks, right? In this case, you want to own precious metals and miners, likely leveraged stuff. This is where the big moves will come from. But semis and, and uh, QQQ, for example, uh, that, that's where the big move will come from. So uh, we're, we're approaching that point. Also, seasonality is, by the way, approaching a very positive point for the uh, precious metals and miners as well. October to Marchish is uh, is a seasonality is very bullish there. 
Um, okay, let's look under the hood today. Uh, let's just take a look first at our internals being the fence uh, decline. Uh, good, good. These are good readings today. We haven't had a lot of good readings. Uh, th these were good today. Uh, three to one positive, advanced decline for NYSE. Uh, NASDAQ was one and a half to one positive. Uh, a little better than that, actually. Uh, 1.81 positive. Uh, volume. Uh, what is this? Uh, better than four to one. Better than four to one positive for uh, NYSE. Uh, NASDAQ was uh, 1.3 to one positive. So good, but not great. Uh, new 15 highest lows. This is kind of a shocker. Been a while since we've had this. We had more highs than lows in NYSE, just 50 to 22. And NASDAQ, another not great day. About 3 to 1 negative there, 176 for the downside. New 52 week lows to 69. New 52 week highs. Sector watch today was very good. Uh, 10 of 11. Actually, it was going to call it all 11, frankly. Utilities were down by uh, a fraction of a percent. Um, but really, everything was up. Communication services led the way up 1%. And, and then you have like a whole slew of sectors, uh, tech, real estate, all up 7 cents to 1%. Good day there. Um, let me go back. There's one more thing I wanted to cover today. You know, look, uh, oh, China. I want to talk about China for a second. We've been pounding the table on China and um, on China tech to be specific, okay? We own KWeb. KWEB, which is the China Internet ETF. And again, I talked earlier about being a contrarian. If you're a contrarian, you have to own China. Everybody hates China. Literally everybody hates China. I talk to people that go, what are you talking about? We want to buy Chinese tech stocks. Have you, are you not watching the news, Kip? I love when I get that reaction. You're not watching the news, right? The news. Goodness gracious. Um, no, I'm not watching the news, but I only watch it to become a contrarian, to do the opposite of what they're preaching on TV. And right now, China's hated. That's that's well known. Look at the chart. Chart's very constructive on Chinese tech stocks. And they've been a laggard, haven't they? Chinese tech, stock, tech stocks have not participated with U.S. tech stocks. There's a big catch-up play coming here. The relative strength of KWeb has been excellent. And again, as a contrarian play, it's fantastic. And guess what? Just last night, we got another announcement from, from the federal government of China. They're reducing taxes on stock trading by 50% to boost the market. That really is, if you under the surface, insignificant because their taxes are slow, so low anyway. It's one tenth of one percent, but it was just, but it was enough, you know, to send the markets up two, three percent overnight. And um, that's the play, though. Chinese tech stocks. That's the play, uh, in uh, in my opinion. Um, but I'll just wrap with this. You know, we, we talk about this a lot here, but uh, I, if you haven't read the big bribe, our new book, I think you should. I, I'm a little biased, but I, th I think uh, I think you should. Tyler and I took our time writing this, and we've gotten a lot of it right. Um, but it's this uh, it's these five mega trends. This is really where the focal point should be. And again, 1995 to 2000, I lived that. I worked through it. It was an amazing time to be an investor. Made our clients a lot of money then. Had a lot of fun doing it. It was action-packed. This is that bull market we're entering, in our opinion, driven by five major converging megatrends. Innovation AI. We were talking about it last year. Now everybody is. Financial engineering. That's our thing. All right? You don't have to talk about it, but this is thing, this whole thing we're witnessing globally 
is being driven by financial engineering, not just the Fed, corporate financial engineering, right? Sovereign wealth fund financial engineering, uh, sports, uh, the sports uh, uh, industry, financial engineering. Are you not seeing what's happening in Formula One? Massive amounts of money. Look at the, the thing. We were just in Vegas. Oh, my God. You can't even drive down the strip. They're completely tearing this thing apart for, for the Formula One race later this year. The amount of money coming into is happening globally. Look at soccer. Soccer is exploding. MLS uh, uh, signs Messi to an unbelievable deal. I mean, I think I heard it's going to wind up making him five hundred million dollars. But that he also owns part of the of the team. Uh, his Miami uh, a, a soccer team. Look at what Saudi Arabia is doing with soccer. Look what Saudi Arabia is doing with the Live Golf Tour. The amount and the key point is it's the financial engineering and the amount of money that's out there is unprecedented. Now, the flip side is, it is we do have two Americas. Not everyone is participating. And I'm very sorry to say this, but guess what? It doesn't matter to the markets. The markets don't care about that. The markets care about liquidity. and Supply demand drives everything. That's what the markets know, and that's happening globally. Folks, this is the one story everybody should pay attention to. It's liquidity. Financial engineering is driving everything, and it's just getting started. Housing, of course, is a big mega trend in the book as well. We are early and at least a decade-long move higher in housing for all the reasons. We've been talking about this for last October. When we started pounding the table on housing, I cannot tell you the abuse and the, uh, the the puzzled looks that we got. What are you talking about? The whole thing is crashing, you know? And we're like, no, it's a structural bull market. It's just getting started. Uh, home ownership. Own, home, uh, a broken record. I'll, I'll say it again for our new people. Homeowners have never had in history higher credit scores. Homeowners in history have never had higher net equity in their home, right? These are powerful long-term trends. Um, and then also... The, the mortgage default rates are a 30-year low. All of this is based in what happened in 2008. It's all based in the financial crisis. What do I mean by that? Nobody wants to live through that again. I don't want to. Do you? I don't want to be in a position where I've got, oh, my God, do I have to worry about losing my home? What if this continues? What if uh, home prices drop 40%? Is it even smart to own a home? Right. If you got a mortgage and, you know, you, you just you, there's so many things to worry about and credit scores. Look at the people around the country that had their credit destroyed. Right. A after losing their home. Nobody lived through it, wanted to live through it again. And we've had financial deleveraging, deleveraging because of it. It all shows up in what I just talked about. This is powerful, but it, it, it transcends generations. Millennials, they saw what their parents went through. And there was no way they were going to see it. This is why millennials had such great credit scores. They're about the best in the country, right? They have low debt. They have great credit scores. They love real estate. They're entrepreneurs. They love the stock market. They love cryptocurrencies. Millennials have a bad reputation, and it is not earned. Don't believe the stuff you read. Instead, believe our chapter on millennials, which Tyler wrote in the book, all right? At least give it a shot and see if it, see if it resonates with you. And finally, yeah, millennials are driving everything. Now, the largest segment of the population, again, almost no one talks about this. Millennials are already the largest segment of the population, 72 million people. They have uh, almost no debt. They average $100,000 in cash. A lot of these are young folks. 
again, they love all the assets we just talked about. And they're and, and they get it. They're super, super smart. They're born into technology. They can find the answer to anything in about 10 seconds. All right. I mean, how different is that from my generation? I'm 61. How different was I than these young millennials? I cannot. If you're being honest, you know the difference. OK. Now, times might have been easier for us then, might have been easier to buy a home, less expensive, all of that. But it just doesn't matter because these assets are increasing in price. I, I, I told this story over the weekend. I remember uh, people now people are talking about how expensive Texas real estate is, specifically like in Austin and key parts of Houston and and, and, and Dallas. And, and, and even where we live in Sugar Land, things are really starting to finally grow big time uh, uh, home price wise. But. I remember, don't you uh, remember years ago, decades ago, when uh, home prices were starting to really explode in California and everybody was saying, oh, this can't continue. It won't continue. This thing's gonna, it's a house of cards going to fall apart. What's happened? All they've done is gone higher for decades. And now it's spreading nationwide. Uh, that is in its infancy. And finally, one of my favorites, the red pilling of America. It's in the book. Again, it's a huge reason to be bullish on the economy, the markets, and America. This is the best country on the planet. It's not a close second. We always win. We always get better. That's the way this works. That's who we are. We're blessed by God. And we're being red-pilled. This is not an accident. It's happening intentionally. I'm actually convinced of it. I'll probably never be able to prove it. But I think, again, if you believe in pattern recognition, I think the evidence is crystal clear. We are being red-pilled. By the state, capital S. Maybe they're getting this one right. Maybe they're getting this one right. Nobody believes their children should be sexually educated when they're young. Right? Only the mentally deranged believe this. (laughs) Right? It's being pushed by the state. Again, capital S. This is intentional. The transsexual stuff. Right? All the the, the gay movement. All of this is, is being intentionally done. Now... Part of it, part of it, I'm not saying it's completely innocent. Part of it is a communist takeover attempt of America. That's very real. But I think at a deeper level, this is being done intentionally to wake us the you-know-what up. And is it ever working? It's all anybody talks about now, especially the mama bears, who are going to take care of their kids, whether they're young, medium-sized, or old, like my mom who's still talking to me about this stuff, worried about, am I being impacted by the insanity in the country? Mama bears are woken up. They're woken, They're waking the country up. This is all in- extraordinarily bullish and positive for the future of America. This is how you put a country back together. You wake them up. How else do you do it? But do it on steroids where it's happening now. So that's our, those, those are our megatrends. Explained much better in, a, in, in the book, by the way. Um, Okay, uh, let's move on now and uh, move to uh, commodities here and get this uh, podcast wrapped up today. Gold today, up uh, $8 an ounce. I think the last time my, my, my quote system is just acting funky. 1949 an ounce silver. Uh, I've got to use a backup source here. Apologies. Uh, silver today was only up uh, slightly at uh, 2429 Copper at 380 a pound, essentially unchanged. 
Crude oil uh, closing at 79.98. That's up a little bit today. Uh, Nat gas is starting to rally, of course, because we got a storm coming into the Gulf, up a couple percent today. And finally, on the day, uh, Bitcoin uh, very quiet, down 93. Excuse me, down 93 at 25,995. All right, folks. Uh, hey, always appreciate you listening. Hope you had a great day and even better night. We'll see you back here again tomorrow after.